today is publication day, publishing day. And um, I need to tell you now that many of us are in the church because of the publishing work. Um, our theme today is blessed is he that readeth. But I want to talk to you today about read and run. What did I say? Read and run. Or run and read, which I want to prefer. Uh, when people like Hewlett and I were little boys, Hewlett Charles, we went to the same primary school and so on. They were Seventh-day Adventists long before I understood, before I could spell Adventist. They were Seventh-day Adventists. And we didn't, we thought they were fool fool. Gone to church on Saturday when the other was gone to the field. What are you going to church on Saturday for? But I had a cousin who was a member of the church and she, she inundated us with literature. I couldn't read. I could read pictures. But I still remember, and sister, sister Lovell, who is my older cousin, <laughs> I remember this little boy. I remember sitting in a press, which is not, it was not big as this. I could fit in the bottom of that press. I'd sit down there and read, leaf through a book which I thought, no, when I think back on it, it wasn't um, Uriah Smith's book, Daniel and the Revelation. It might have been Hope of the Race. What I remember are the pictures. The lion with wings and the tiger with four heads. Anybody remember those things? I was fascinated by the pictures. I had no idea what they meant. But that was my introduction to Adventism. Did know I was going to become an Adventist? Well, a Seventh-day Adventist. Because there are many people who are Adventists and don't know. They are Adventists and they don't know it. I'm at pains to tell my students every day that you're Adventists, whether you know it or not. I want to read a little thing for you before we go into the message today. Because the progress of the Seventh-day Adventist church owes much to the publishing work. Come on, say amen. There are many persons who became interested in the teachings of our church through the publications which were and are available. I am no exception. And those people who stay in the church are usually people who read themselves into the church. So if you're an Adventist and you're not reading, watch it, you might run out. But we'll come back to that. Rooted and grounded in the doctrines of our church through reading because of the publishing work. And reference was made earlier this morning to life sketches. I was going through that publication, through that book, or through that publication that I prepared for today's message. And it paints a picture of Ellen White and James White writing on the run. What did I say? Writing on the run. And when you have time, I want you to read from life sketches. It gives you some interesting details of the privations they suffered, the circumstances that they encountered, and all the difficulties that they went through to begin the publishing work that sometimes we take for granted today. God has been good to us. You're not saying amen. God has been good to us. Recently I spoke at another church in my district, Bull Savannah, St. Elizabeth. And I came across this publication of priorities. I don't know if it's the latest copy. It says, I read, therefore I am. If you ever get your hands on this one, read. There are a number of authors who have been highlighted here. Some of them I know personally. But there's George Knight, big time, reader and writer. There's Richard O'Phil, we've been acquainted. And a number of other persons. If you get your hands on this, please, get a read of it. So, today we are into publications. They are publishing day today across 
the conferences. And my hope and trust that, like Brother Broderick sung for us, there's a word, there's a message written in the word of God for you. Not for somebody else, for you. So have we applied the message to somebody else? But the message is there for you. You know, sometimes Sister White waxes very personal and intimate when she writes to us and we think, well, you know, this is not for me, it's for another time, for some other people. But I'm here to tell you that the message is there for you and for me. And I hope that today's message will be for you and for me. I want to start off by relating a little bit. You know, this theater company was putting on a series about the life of Jesus. And the actor who was playing the part of Jesus was being heckled by a man in the audience as he was carrying the cross. The heckler was so persistent in his heckling that this Jesus couldn't take it anymore. So he dropped the cross, jumped in the crowd, and punched the man. The producer of the series pulled him up, pulled up his Jesus, and said, listen, if you can't keep your cool, you better look for work elsewhere. So the next night, the heckler returned. A man, he really late on this time, appeared and he continued this heckling relentlessly with a lot of enthusiasm with him. And Jesus looked at him and quietly said, Meet me outside after the resurrection. <laughs> do you know, do you know, that when we come to think of it, that is a message that is consistent to us. Meet me outside after the resurrection. Yeah? Let's see what the Lord has to say today. That's a message that is consistently produced in Holy Writ. Especially for people who continue to live life on their own terms. There are two sets of people to whom the messages of Holy Writ are being um, centered. One is like the heckler in the audience. They are deriding the messages. And even while they are rendering it, the other set is reading and heeding the warnings. And they are paying strict attention to the written word. In a discourse with a certain lawyer, Jesus asked him a pointed question. What is written? And I know if he asked the same question today, many of us could answer. Because we've been in the church for a long time. But we don't know what is written. If you're going to be a good Seventh-day Adventist, you need to know what is written. The lessons that we're studying now underscore the fact that you need to know you need to be familiar with, you need to internalize what is written. It needs to become a part of your life and practice. If you're going to witness any at all, you need to know what is written. A few weeks ago, I asked a student to do devotion before we start class. We do that at NCU still. And he related a, a, an interesting story. But as I listened to him, I had to kind of restrain myself. Because he mixed up the story of Jonah with, with something else. And the students didn't seem to recognize what he was doing. They just sat there and, you know, nobody, well, I suppose it's out of courtesy, but I didn't bother calling him, so I called him afterward and said, listen, you need to, you need to get your facts straight before you, you know. And sometimes these are theological students. Hello, can I tell you? Anyhow, Jesus asked him, what is written? And I have to tell you that our church has a rich and abundant legacy 
of spiritually focused documentation. It has come to us at great personal sacrifice. And on the part of those who brought it. And I told about life sketches with Ellen White, which I'd like for you to get to read sometime today. But the journey that our publication has traveled to come to us has been a long and eventful one. Between the Bible and the writings of Ellen White. And Ellen White says that the Bible is which one? The greater light. And her writings are the lesser light that points us to the greater light. We've called that, we've come to call the lesser light collectively, for those who are visiting with us, where we talk about the spirit of prophecy writings. We're talking about the writings of Ellen White and perhaps some other people. But God has outlined in vision the plan of salvation. The second scripture reading we had, the first scripture reading we had came from Habakkuk chapter 2. The person read verses 1 to 3. And when I, when I looked at the passage, I wondered what vision this was. So I went back to chapter 1. See, when you're reading, you have to cross-reference to get the context. You know, some people have built a whole system of religious practice around one verse of scripture. You have to be careful how you do that now. Judas went out and hanged himself and find the next test. Go thou and do likewise. You can't build it on that. Your context must be relevant and related. Are you with me? Some people have built that wrong there. So, God has outlined the vision. I went back to chapter 1 and I discovered that God was giving Habakkuk a vision of the Assyrians coming to capture or to take Israel captive. And so, he decided that he would stand on his watch and see what God had to say. And God said to him, write the vision, write it on tables, make it plain that he may run that readeth it. I'll come back to that in a little while. But God has a plan to save you and to save me. Let me put that another way. God is determined to save us. Determined to save us. And he wants to share with us how he plans to do it. That's why he sends us this written word. He wants to, to share with us how he's going to do it so we can buy into the plan. Are you still with me? You see, the best way to get people involved in what you're doing is to give them the details and encourage them to buy in. If you foist something on them, they might wonder where you're coming from with that. But if you give them some instructions and make it clear, make it plain on tables, that not only may they run and read, but they might read and run, they're more likely to buy into your program. God wants us to buy into the plan of salvation for our soul's sake. Hence, the written word. Now, you sometimes hear things on the radio and it's, it's, it's followed by something we say it's conditions apply. The plan of salvation have conditions that apply. If you don't know the conditions that apply, you can't appropriate that plan to yourself. God wants us to become personally familiar with the conditions that apply to the plan of salvation and there's only one way we can do that and that is to become acquainted with the terms and conditions as written in the word of God. There is a message in the word of God for you. The Savior put it there. Not just to ease your load of care, but he wants to make sure that you know what you ought to do, when you ought to do it, and how you ought to do it in order to be part of the plan of salvation. Now when you go to the book of Revelation, Revelation in fact is in essence a summary of that plan for our salvation. 
And we find in the last chapter of the, the last book of this love letter that God has sent us, this plan of action for salvation and mine, God has repeated the same blessing that we read in the scripture reading today in the first chapter. So, Revelation 1 verse 3 says, Blessed is he or she that readeth and they that hear, because I think the writer recognized that some people might not be able to read, but those of us who can read should read and let them hear. And I'm understanding from this to mean that even if you can't read or you hear it, you're still accountable. Amen. Amen. And hear the words of this prophecy and those who keep the things that are written in the book. Why? For the time is at hand. Time is at hand. Now then, the writer who is penning this documentation for this final message repeats the same blessing in chapter 22 verse 7 of Revelation. And the person quotes the words of Jesus, the originator of the message. Blessed is he that keepeth the saints of the prophecy or the message of this book because I'm coming quickly. I to think a little bit that the only reason why we have this is because Jesus is coming soon. Can I run that by you again? The only reason why we have this is because Jesus is coming soon. We have had it a long time. It speaks to the fact that in the last days, scoffers will come saying, where's the promise of his coming? Since the fathers fell asleep, all things continued as they were from the beginning of time. But hear me, it's not just a word we need to read, you know. When we read the word, we can also, through our understanding of the word, read the times. Perhaps one of the greatest publications we have is the news of the day. I want to encourage you, if you didn't get to do anything else, watch the news. What did I say? Watch the news. Especially the global news. Things are transpiring around us of which some of us are oblivious but they are telling us that time is marching relentlessly on and the coming of Jesus is, is, is returning is coming towards us irrevocably so. Hello. So, blessed is he that read it because I'm coming quickly. Coming quickly. And this now leads me kind of appropriately into our second passage for today in Habakkuk 2. Write the vision. Thank you. Write the vision. Make it plain on tables that he may run that readeth it. Read and run. Read and run. What a funny combination. Read and run. You know, some translations of the Bible have turned it another way. They say um, that you should run and read. The impression is that the message should be written on billboards so that you can't miss it as you travel. Sometimes, Fadlin, we miss it as we travel because we don't see certain things. Eh? We're driving and paying attention to the road. But we're on a journey from earth to heaven. And there are instructions. The writer suggests that we read as we run or we run when we read. Put it on billboards. One way or another, you can't miss it. Whichever way it is, run while you read or read while you run. Why? For time is short. Time is short. What time? <laughs> Ironically, it is the end of time 
that is short. It's shortly upon us. And so, God has given us information that would help us to travel safely through the corners and curves of the time of the end so that we can come to the end of time safely. I hope we're together. So, whether or not it seems that way to you, my brothers and sisters, the time has come for you to read and run. What did I just say? The time has come for you to read and run. Final events are transpiring very rapidly around us. And you and I ought to be acutely aware of that unless we haven't been reading the signs of the times. Socially, economically, spiritually, politically, and any other alley you can think of, the message is clear. The time is at hand. And if you've been getting comfortable here, I have news for you. The word for you and me today, if you're getting comfortable, is the time is at hand. The vision, Habakkuk 2 verse 3 says, is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak, it shall not lie, though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not is that clear? Does that sound clear to you? I want to share something to you from Ellen White's book, Last Day Events. Let me see if I can find this quotation from Last Day Events I want to share with you today. This was written somewhere back in 1914. She says, no, 1914, only a few of us were around. Not many of us in this congregation were around that time, Pastor. She says, the present is a time of overwhelming interest to all living. Rulers and statesmen who occupy positions of trust and authority, thinking men and women of all classes, have their attention fixed upon the events taking place about us. 1914. They are watching the relations that exist among the nations. Have you been following the news? I heard on the news yesterday morning the United Nations, what is named Ban Ki-moon, saying that Syria is a serious threat. We begin to begin to look at Syria. Huh? They observe, she said, they are watching the relations that exist among the nations. They observe the intensity that is taking possession of every earthly element and they recognize that something great and decisive is about to take place. That the world is on the verge of on the verge of a stupendous crisis. The calamities by land and sea, the unsettled state of society, the alarms of war are portentous. You could understand her back then. They forecast approaching events of the greatest magnitude. The agencies of evil are combining their forces and consolidating. They are strengthening for the last great crisis. And if you are about to sleep, wake up now. She says, great changes are soon to take place in our world and the final movements will be rapid ones. Read and run. The time of trouble in which we are now. Many years ago, I came across a book by Fernando Charge called The Final Crisis. And in it, he graphically described what the early time of trouble would look like. I remember some of the words. He says that governments although they may try very hard, will not be able to grapple with the problems that confront them. 
That was like about 20, 25, 30 years ago. I was a young Adventist then and president of the St. Elizabeth Federation of Adventist Youth. My early preaching days, pastor. But I, that was one of my books I quoted from because back then, for those of you who are too young to remember, we lived under the shadow of World War III. The Cold War. You went to bed at night not knowing whether some maniac from the United States or from Russia would push the final button that would plunge us into World War III. And so, in those days, we lived under the shadow of war. But, the writer reminds us, the time of trouble, which is to increase until the end, is very near at hand. We're in it. We're in it. We have no time to lose. The world is stirred with the spirit of war. Not a world war, no. But Jamaica is used to that. We have war every day on the streets. The prophecies of the 11th of Daniel are almost reached their final fulfillment. The time of trouble, trouble such as was not since there was a nation, is right upon us, and we are like the sleeping virgins. We are to awake and ask the Lord Jesus to place underneath us his everlasting arms and carry us through the time of trial in which we are now. She said the time before us. The world is becoming more and more lawless. Is that true? Can I share something with you? Can I tell you that the church is becoming more and more lawless? I talk about the Adventist church. You don't believe me? You go to some churches and you say, Brethren, those who are sitting in the back, would you join us a little closer front? You could be speaking, it's like you're speaking Spanish or French or something. You know? Or Spatois. Something like that. You know? Spanish, English, Patois. Because people just sit down they didn't hear you. And yet, when they go home, they expect their children to jump when they say jump. Ah, so high. But a church, you can't obey a simple instruction from the rostrum. Would you come a little closer? She says the world is getting lawless. Also, this at the church too. Probably not seeing it because we're in there. She said we are standing on the threshold of the crisis of the ages. I'm wrapping this down. In quick succession, the judgments of God will follow one another. Fire and flood and earthquake with war and bloodshed. And here now, there are stormy times before us. But let us not utter one word of unbelief or discouragement. God has always given men warning of coming judgments. Those who had faith in his message for their time and who acted out their faith in obedience to his commandments escaped the judgments that fell upon the disobedient and unbelieving. We are in the final days. There's a little tract. A little series of tracts that I wrote. I was hoping that we would have had enough copies to give you this morning. But I've given Brother Edgar a few copies. The series entitled, Suppose It's True After All. The first one is entitled, The Bible. Suppose the Bible is true after all. The second one, Suppose It's True After All. It's titled, Monuments and Memorials. And the third one in the series is titled, Suppose It's True After All. Are the dead really dead? He has a few copies which I'm sure he will share. The one that speaks to the Bible is the one that perhaps I'd like to draw the greatest attention to. Because we have come to a time when people have come to feel that the Bible is not so true. And, 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 you know. But I've taken things like the flood. Was there really a flood? The evidence is all around us. There's geological, there's archaeological, there are paleontological evidence that there was a flood. And, um, 
If you have Bibles and you haven't been reading them, you have a problem. Trust me, you have a problem. If you have been reading them, you'll know that given where we are now in the state of our world, we can no longer plan to be comfortable here. It is too late for that. If you don't buy your car yet, cool it. You might not get to buy one. If you don't graduate from university yet, cool it. Go and study. Bible says occupy till I come. So don't give up. Keep on doing what you're doing. But keep an eye. Keep in the back of your mind. In fact, bring it to your front burner. That I'm doing all of this. But Jesus is coming soon. I tell my students every day when we have devotions, Brother John, that I've been at NCU for four years. And almost every graduation, somebody graduates posthumously. And they say, sir, what is that? Do they become humorous? I say, yes, they actually become humorous. They graduated, they finished the course. All they had to do was march, shake the present hand, and take the paper. And they don't live to do it. You know, before I became a Seventh-day Adventist, I grew up in the Baptist church. And thank God for people who take this business of evangelism and witnessing seriously. A gentleman who couldn't read. Could you hear me? He couldn't read good. My grand aunt grew him. And he decided to come to Clarkstown, Trelawney, where I grew up part of the time to visit and see if he could find this woman. He couldn't find her. It's amazing the way God leads us where he wants us to go. He comes to Clarkstown, goes to where he used to live, can't find the lady, and somebody says to him, if you go out into Clarkstown and ask for the Bradys, they could tell you where to find this lady. So he comes, searches around, finds us. I'm in my early teens, I'm just 18 years old. Just leaves high school, get my first job and so on, trying to build a house for my parents in gratitude for the sacrifices to send me to school and praying that Jesus won't come before the house done. Yeah, I'm hoping that Jesus wouldn't come before the house done. A fact which is borne out by the fact that when the first room finished and could be slept in, I move in there. Yeah, I start sleeping in the house. So if Jesus comes, I still get to sleep in the house, Edgar. Still get to sleep. He came, and they, they, they started coming on weekends. Every other weekend or so they would come. And since the house wasn't quite finished, and the house was so small that we, we occupied, that you couldn't change your mind in there. You have to go outside and change your mind and come in back. You don't have enough space in there to change your mind. It's too small. So he shared my room. And way into the night, he would give me Bible studies. Bible studies. But since I can read, and him can read, I figured I could have it over him. But he would, he would mention the text and he would say, you read it for you can read. Strategy. When you read it yourself, you can't say it. So you read it yourself. He said, you read the text for you can read better than me. So, I got closer and closer to the message and the long and the short of it, I'm here today. And that's why I have that wife today. Cause of that. Can I tell you? So, I tell you now, you need to read. It's too late to get comfortable. Time is running out. It's time to run. By the way, speaking about running, the Olympics coming up. Isn't that so? There's an interesting ad I've seen. There are some guys lined up on the, 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 the starters line. And when the starters go and go off, they're running all different directions. Have you seen that one? CVM is saying that we are the only ones focused. Tell you what's going on the, on the, on the thing. Do you know that some people are like that? Yeah. They're at the end of time. But they have no idea what to do or where to go. Can I tell you 
That as a world, we are under starter's orders. If you don't know how to run, you have a problem. Let me suggest something. Let's talk about running. Because for the runner, there are a number of options that are open. You can run with. You can run to. You can run from. You can run around. You can run against. Those are the options open to you. But for the act of running to make any sense at all, there has to be a reason to run. Talk to me. There has to be a reason to run. And I want to suggest too that having a reason to run finds its basis in some kind of rules or documentation which says how you should run, where you should run, go, and so on. The Bible, the documentation, the publishing work has the information about how you should run. So when Habakkuk says he may run that reads it, God is telling you how your running should go. Are you with me? You can't just run so. Reminds me of another story when Absalom rebelled against his father. Ahimeaz wants to run. And Job says to him, but we don't have any news to send. What are you going to run for? He said, I don't care. Just let me run. But we, have no, we don't have no news. Don't, I don't care. I just want to say, all right, run. I know some people run like that. They're running, but they don't have no news. So he runs and he comes to the king. <sighs> By the way, the king saw him coming and said, that's a good man. Let's see what's happening. The good man came and the man had no good news. But he had no instructions about how to run. The instructions about how to run is here. We're at the end of time. And the Bible says, it is given to us that he who reads it may run. Read and run. So Ahimehaz runs for nothing. And then, no, Kushai runs for nothing, sorry. And Ahimehaz runs with a message. You and I have a message that is like no other. I thought you'd say amen. But probably you don't believe it. You were born in the church. So you take this thing for granted. For those of us who are coming in. For those of us who weren't born in the church. We recognize that you have something that is nowhere else. And God said you must run with it. Not only that you must run with it. But when you read it you must run. Because there are things you must run from. And the indication is that you need to run too. Run to Jesus. You're going to need him. So here, we're closing. On the basis of what we have heard today, I want to appeal to you to run. Follow me carefully. I want to divide this appeal into several parts. I want to talk first of all to those who have been running around. Those who have been doing what? Running around. You're probably here today as a visitor. And you are here today not by chance. Can I tell you that? You never come to this church by chance. God sends you here. You know why? There's something different that you must either hear or read that you don't find somewhere else, wherever else you've been going. And since God is determined to save you, he sends you here. By the way, I need to tell you that you will come across some badventists in your experience. What did I say? Some badventists. But the fact that we have some badventists doesn't mean that anything wrong with the church. You see, the church is not a club for saints, it's a hospital for sinners. Come on, church, say amen. It's a hospital for sinners. 
The doctor comes by here. In the hospital, you're bound to see a doctor. The doctor makes house calls too. But the doctor comes by here. And if you're here, chances are the doctor will see you. That's why God said you come. There's something you need that you won't find in any other place. So he sends you here today. Probably you've been running around. Today he sends you here so you can focus. Can you say amen? You'll find a purpose to run. If you stop long enough to hear what is being said and to read, you'll discover a purpose and a direction. If you are here like that, coming down a little while, I'm going to invite you to run to Jesus. Can I say amen? I'm going to invite you to leave your seat and come. Time. Now shall I tell you too that not just people on the outside, there are some church people who have been running around too. Hello? Playing church? Did you hear me? Can I put in Jamaican parlance? Some people have played church. And they've played church for so long that they begin to think it's a genuine thing. All you have to do is put on your clothes and come out and Sabbath and look nice and say amen when preacher preaches, whether they heard what he said or not. I think some people say amen sometimes, but they didn't hear what the preacher said. If they had heard what he said, they would not say amen. They said, Lord, have mercy. That's what they would say. But they play in church for so long. I notice I didn't say Christians, I said some church people. Running with. That's one of the options. Running with the people of God. You can't run with the people of God. Yeah, yeah. You can run among them, yes. But if you're going to run with the people of God, they have a direction and they have a purpose and you have to discover that purpose. And it's in the published work. Publishing work tells you. So, actually, today, whether you're running around, running with, running from, running to, the only real run is to run to Jesus. And I hope you'll do that today. Even though you might not be seeing him, I'll guarantee that he's here today. Because he would not have brought you here if he wasn't going to be here. That's why you're here. Been waiting for you to come. So if you've been running around, I want to ask you to run, come. If you've been playing church, I'm going to ask you to run, come. The time is at hand. There is a time that is coming when everybody going to run. Can you believe me? Those who read and those who don't read, everybody going to run. I want to suggest that today you start running to Jesus. Run to Jesus. There is no other run that makes sense. And if you don't run today, to him today, then unfortunately you might be a part of those who will run from him in the final analysis. I want to share with you as I close, Revelation chapter 1. Is it chapter 1? Revelation chapter 6. Want to turn with me? Revelation chapter 6 paints a picture of the run from us. I use that word. Revelation 6. People read this thing and they say, Can anything go so? Hello? Verse 12. And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal. Lo, there was a great earthquake. The sun became as black as sackcloth of hair. The moon became as blood. And the stars of heaven fell onto the earth, even as a fig tree 
Cast her untimely figs when she is shaken of a mighty wind. And I need to tell you that verses 12 and 13 are history. The Great Lisbon Earthquake, 1755. The Dark Day, May 19. What's it? 18 something. That same night, the moon turned to blood. This is history, not something to come. That's history. If you read this, you should have run a long time. If you understood what was there. He goes on. The heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together. And every mountain and island were moved out of their places. Incidentally, we used to think that was impossible. If you've been reading the news, the earthquake they had in Japan shifted the island some degrees. Did you read that? That little earthquake. It was something like 8 point something. Shifted the island. Shifted it, pastor. Move it out of its place. The big one is coming. Read and run. The kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and every mighty man, every bondman, every free man hid themselves in the dens and the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountain, the rock, fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. Why? For the great day that he talked about is come. And who shall be able to stand? Shall I tell you who will be able to stand? Those who have read and run. Who want to start the running today? Who want to start the running today? Come on down. Come on down. Let's talk to God today. If you're here and you've been running around, come on down. Don't watch no face. That's what we say in Jamaica. Don't watch no face. You know, sometimes we come to a service and we came out of curiosity, but the, the Holy Spirit broadside us. Broadside you today. So I want to ask you now, don't watch no face. Get up, come on down, run to Jesus.